0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Boldo Racing Team.
1: Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chas Mostard from Ford Pepsi Max Group, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the Bolt, so um, <laughs> be, been here before.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing.
1: Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's they're just there's good racing i enjoy it from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars
3: hello and welcome to the show as we wrap up the tasmanian round of the v8 supercars championship for 2015 joining me to discuss these topics and more from auto action it's lewis isaacs good evening lewis
0: good evening craig how are you Very
3: well, thanks. As I am sure the editor-in-chief of v Magazine, Adrian Mussolino, is as well. Good evening, Adrian. Good
2: evening, Craig. How are you?
3: Not too bad. uh, Look, we need to talk about the 98th and 99th win of Craig Lowndes' career. It's uh, an amazing record, and uh, he has been in the nervous 90s, Lewis, but it looked like he was just going to smash his way to a tonne on one weekend
0: yeah, he was doing it quite easy, you know, and it it was strange because we had those wet practice sessions where you couldn't really, you know, pick the pecking order right from the start, but, you know, as soon as the sun came out on Sunday, or on Saturday, rather, he was quick, he was, you know, miles ahead in qualifying and then did the races easy. Granted, there were only 20 minutes and, you know, it was hard tyres, so it was going to be hard to get past him, but even Sunday, he continued that trend and it was a shame to see him kind of lose it in that first corner by a bit of a, a rash move, but, you know, all the same, great to see Craig Lowndes winning again.
3: And Adrian, of course, we saw that the Grant McPherson-Craig-Lowndes relationship is starting to gel. It might have just taken a little while until they got there, but they certainly got there with a bang.
2: Well, it's actually not been long at all when you consider that it's, um, what, two championship events, events in, and it's, obviously the Australian Grand Prix is a handy weekend for combinations like that, trying to get their working relationships together. So it's come together quite well. And, you know, Craig, it seems like he's um, enjoying it and the change has been good for him because we really haven't seen him put in a performance like that in a while in a weekend where he's just followed across the whole three races. And, you know, let's be honest, if he hadn't made that move on Reynolds at the third corner, he probably would have um, gone on to win that race in a weekend clean sweep. So it adds a bit of intrigue in the championship now because you've got to factor him into the equation.
3: Mm. And let's face it, he broke Craig Lowndes' record at Perth, I can't remember whether it was one or two years ago now, Lewis, so he's going to another track in five weeks' time, albeit, with the form on the board and the confidence that he's quick there.
0: Yeah, well, Perth is one track where I think he's got twice the amount of wins as like his next competitor or something over the top like that. It seems to be um, a happy hunting ground for him and yeah, he mentioned it the other the other day that, you know, it'd be nice to have that kind of symmetry because he took the the 91 wins against Scaife there and fit to do it, you know, out west again would be massive and it's somewhere, I guess, he's been ever since. He he joined the series full-time in 1996, so there's there's something else in that as well. But I think, you know, as Adrian touched on, that Grand Prix weekend, they weren't really anywhere that weekend. I think they might have been doing a bit of testing and, you know, both cars from Triple Eight were much faster at Simmons Plains than they were at Albert Park and I'd say they learned more from that weekend than perhaps anyone else.
3: It was interesting, Adrian, that Jamie Winkup said just how far off his teammate's pace he was, and uh, it quite rightly acknowledged that he would not have won but for Craig uh, making that mistake.
2: Yeah, and we haven't seen that a lot, have we? I mean, you know, when you look back to 2006 and 2007 when Jamie came along and really took the mantle at Triple Eight. He's always had the edge at some point, you know. Even on a weekend where Craig's been strong, Jamie will be there, and you know that's where I think Craig will really rue that missed opportunity on Sunday because he can't afford those sort of mistakes. He needs to be maximising points on the weekend where he's ahead of Jamie. So, um, you know, hope for his sake that that move on Reynolds isn't going to come back to bite him um, because you know, again, not only was he effective and shuffled down the order, you know, he handed the win to Jamie.
3: Twice now, Lowndes has been either off the track because of contact or made a contact mistake that saw him drop to the back. And two years in a row, he's driven through the field like a demon. What, did he get back to fifth place at the end of the long race there, Adrian?
2: Yeah, he's, you know, it's surprising as well at Simmons Plains where we know overtaking is pretty limited, but that just again shows why those Sunday races are so good because even if you have you know, a problem early in the race, you can come back, you can use strategy, you can use your soft tyres, you can use pit strategy. And that's where I think if you ask people up and down the paddock and even, you know, ask media, I think we'll prefer that Sunday race because of that factor. Saturday tends to be a finish where you qualify and if that incident had happened in one of the Saturday races, there are no chances coming through. So uh, I think that's, you know going off on a bit of a tangent, but that's probably a debate to have regarding race formats and why the longer races work better.
3: Yeah, well, it's a point I'll take up with you after the break here on Inside Supercars.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Colthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference. This race is one of our majors. 600 miles around
3: here is no easy task.
2: Uh, we are able to beat the 2 to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, but, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, representative family.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at
3: sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian
1: Colthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Adrian Mussolino from v Man. Magazine and auto actions, Lewis Isaacs. Picking up on the point, on Saturday, the drivers at the press conference were asked, what do you think of these short races? And unsurprisingly, Craig Lowndes, Jamie Winkup and James Courtney, all sitting on the on the podium, go, they're great. Speaking, I had a chance to speak with uh, Chas Mostert on Sunday, and he's going, the tyres didn't fall off, it was boring racing, and... Honestly, I think uh, we had a lot of comments. And uh, even on Sunday, we had people commenting about how, yeah, the Saturday races weren't uh, weren't up to scratch. So I guess the big thing is uh, Jamie had talked about it's about time we get rid of the hard tyres. But the hard tyres went over the cliff quicker than the soft tyres did, Adrian. Yeah, it's
2: very track-specific whether the tyres go off or not. I think the bigger issue here, and it's something... There's a trend emerging with these Saturday races is that in the first race, the drivers are very conservative because you don't want to wreck, obviously, because if you miss the second race, then that's a big chunk of points and you can't afford to lose that. So there's this natural conservatism that sort of creeps in on the Saturdays, which is a bit of a concern. You know, no strategy, no tyre changes, no pit stops, a bit of a sprint at track like Simmons where it's hard to pass, you're inevitably going to finish where you qualify so I think it's something that Viet cars needs to look at and maybe move towards a one-race-per-day format. And, you know, I don't think there's any argument that those longer races are all better because you're just going to get more variables thrown in the mix and therefore a better race.
3: What about a one-race-per-weekend format, Lewis?
0: Well, we've got that. We call it Bassis and Sandown. They're all right, but I think they're kind of special in their own merit. You know, on the point of um, the two-race Saturday and the and the one on Sunday, I think the series is kind of correct in a way of, of rationalising the formats to make it easier to understand for an outsider, but you know, if you look at it in the same kind of um, position, it. I don't think the blanket rules for um, that format apply at every track, and you know, in particular the tyre rules too, you know, we can't just have hard tyre Saturdays and one soft on Sunday, that's, that's not the show we need to um, promote in the sport, I just, my own personal opinion is, I'm with Jamie, they should come, probably scrap the hard, and go all soft if you you want to have a a blanket rule but you know until then it's just you know the Saturday races are a bit boring you know I think the only people that are kind of happy with them would be the the Channel 10 editors who only have 22 minute races to kind of compress down into an hour's highlight show
3: yeah well fortunately they had 5 minutes of uh blow-up and reaction to Will Davison and James Courtney. We'll get onto that in a minute. Because I think most people, Lewis, said the star of the show this weekend outside of like, Lowndes' speed was New Zealander Andre Heimgardner. Never been at the track before, and yet it was his data that was improving the Pepsi Max cruise cars.
0: Well, I think it also, you know, painted paints a bigger picture of where um, Pro Drive Racing Australia is at. You know, Andre easily outqualified... Uh, Scott Pye, who's a a more experienced driver, and they're both in FGX Falcon, so that says a lot there. But yeah, it was a great job by a rookie. He he did two years in Dunlop two years before, and he wasn't exactly a regular race winner there, or someone you immediately picked was going to be ready for promotion, but he did a great job at Bathurst, and he seems to have uh, taken to this very quickly, so kudos to him.
3: Too bad on Sunday there weren't too many New Zealanders watching him. Adrian?
2: Yeah, well, obviously we've seen the TV figures and there was a massive drop when the World Cup final started and to be expected. But, yeah, it wasn't really a good weekend for the Kiwis to take Heimgartner out of the equation. Um, you know, you look at Scott McLaughlin and another uh, mechanical issue on the first of the Saturday races and that's becoming a bit of a theme, sadly, for Volvo All-Star Racing. And Fabian Coulthard was a bit sort of absent this weekend, Um one of those weekends where BJR just tends to disappear a bit.
3: And... Interestingly, though, uh, Fabian Coulthard has renounced his New Zealand heritage. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet or post from Jason Bright, but uh, Brighty posted uh, he was at Launceston Airport at the uh, fall of the last New Zealand wicket, at which point Fabian pointed out to him that he was born in England. Yeah, oh,
2: they he actually are up... in the Kigley.
3: <laughs> so he's he's jumped off the Kiwi boat, Adrian.
2: Yeah, well, he took that photo from the V8X um, season guide where we've got all the drivers where they're born and things. And indeed, um, Fabian's born in um, England and he lives in Melbourne. So, um, very convenient timing. But I'm sure when we come around to Tukukuli, he'll be back on that bandwagon.
3: Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Sorry, I digress, it's Lewis.
0: That's all right. I just think, you know, I'd rather be a Kiwi than an. England supporter at this stage.
3: I, I was interested in that fact because I had left before even the round robin tournament had ended, but <laughs> I really do agree. Courtney on the podium leading the championship Saturday night went missing on Sunday. Tenth place in the end, uh, Lewis. Uh, what went, went went on? Because Garth was there.
0: Well, I think it, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the other week. You know, people were asking where HRT back because they had a great Clipsal, and they've always been pretty well at. um at street circuits this was going to be a bigger test for them and it seemed to be just like a tire issue he was slow on the hards and and quite quick on the softs and they possibly didn't find that balance you know as well as others had but garth it was good to see him up there again that's probably a bit of uh experience coming to the fore, and just he's an aggressive race and the soft tire races probably suit him better than they do james but yeah i just put that down to one poor stint in the middle because there were times when he was quite quick and you know, he and Winterbottom both had a similar strategy, and uh, they were pretty much nose to tail for a lot of that race.
3: Mm. Adrian Courtney's supposed to be the soft tyre gun, Super GT and Formula One experience. That's where he's supposed to—he's supposed to shine.
2: Well, he did back in 2010 when he was the VF Doom first ran on the soft tyres, and he had that experience, and he ran away with those two rounds, and it really set up his championship. But now, you know, the other drivers and teams have figured out the soft tire they've had enough experience on it. And um, just touching on a point you're making, I think that's one of the most intriguing inter-team battles this year, HRT with Tanner and Courtney, because clearly they've made gains and this is the point where they need to be fighting for a championship and they're both up there. I think they're both in the top four. So it's going to be very intriguing how that pans out because Tanner has the experience, but you know, Courtney really... Is on it this year, so it'll be fascinating to see who comes out on top. You know, I think from around mid-season, whoever's ahead, um, the team might sort of jump behind and really push because um, you know we know how strong Triple Eight will be.
3: an interesting point because I don't think you can afford to do that anymore in v Supercars and really in any motorsport, as we saw Vettel win in Formula One on the weekend, Lewis. You you really can't back one horse in your two horse when you've got two horses in the race.
0: Well, I think last year we saw with Frosty and Chaz that Frosty had such a great start to the season that Chaz was willing to kind of, you know, play that, that rear gunner role fairly early on. But, you know, with someone like Tanda and Courtney, you'd probably have to wait till later on, you know, have a look at the, the points picture. But again, you look at someone like Roland and he doesn't have too many issues having his two drivers race for points and, and both go for the championship. He's pretty much taken, you know, every title since 2008, bar one. You know, and that's
3: constructed end drivers. Mm. And, of course, uh, he's going to have three guys going for the championship next year. There's no doubt about that. Points, Cup takes the championship lead at the end of the second round. Adrian, is there going to be another championship leader before the end of this year? At any stage. Uh, Don't worry about the end of the year. Just worry about at any stage during the year. Yeah,
2: that's the interesting question. We've seen Cup before. He gets the lead early. He banks the points and he comes home with a, you know, a bit of a comfortable lead, but uh, I don't know. I, I just get the feeling that something's here, I think, the, the challenges are different. Um, you know, in the past, we've seen FPR trying to get there, and no doubt they'll come on stronger as they get to know the FGX more, but I really do think HRC has made big steps, and they are there. Techno was interesting on the weekend, because Shane, you know, he was there or thereabouts playing the podium, and usually that's the track where he's struggled, so... That was a good sign, and um, you can just see there's going to be rounds where Triple Eight, you know, they will lose points. This one's a track where they've always been strong. If Craig can chip away more at Jamie, and that's been an issue in the past, he can take points, and I think it, it can go down to the wire, and, and we will see some different challenges. Mm.
3: Well, at the moment, as the championship stands, the top five all holdens so. ProDrive Racing Australia and uh, Ford in their last year together will want to get a shuffle on if there's any glimmer of hope with the change of CEO at Ford Australia to try and get themselves uh, some support in the uh, years to come. A break. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Adrian Mussolino, Lewis Isaacs, and myself, Craig Ravel uh, Guys, rounds and events. It's getting confusing hey. here. We changed to events a few years ago because we didn't have round winners anymore. But when VAD Supercars press release talk about rounds, when the television commentators talk about rounds, do we have to have someone come out and at least formally state their events or their rounds? But... Don't mix the two up. And you can't say every race is a round because it makes it even more incomprehensible to the casual viewer. Lewis?
0: Yeah, it's it's you know a matter of semantics, isn't it? I remember back when it was called rounds and it was pretty easy to understand. You had about three races and you add the points together and that's who won the round. And uh, You know, the record books were like that for so long. So this formula is kind of, uh, it's screwed with people like Aaron Noonan, I imagine, who's probably had to get you know a second calculator out to work out what exactly is going on, but you're right, it should just be round, screw this whole event thing, and let's just keep it simple. You know, what, you can win a race, that's all good and well, but, you know, it's the round that matters.
3: Adrian, it puts things into the records books like an asterisk against Jason Richards' name, because he never won a round, but he did win a race, just when yeah, winning a race wasn't winning a round.
2: Yeah, it's a tough one, but I, I do... To play devil's advocate, I do think the current format works because you do have, with the two races on the Saturday, they are individual races, as is the Sunday. But because the Sunday is the feature race, if you like, it's a longer race, that should count as whoever wins that race wins the event. So, you know, James Corney wins the Sunday race at Pitchfield and he's the Pitchfield 500 champion. But um, I I think that works as is. I think, you know, I was um, a bit down on the two races on the Saturday earlier, but what I do like about the calendar at the moment is it's moved towards a consistency that we know what we are going to get at, at each event. Take the Enduros out, you're going to get two races on the Saturday and one on the Sunday, and whoever wins the Sunday wins the event. So, you know, it's important just to be consistent, and they need to stick with something, and I think they're pretty settled on this at the moment, and, you know, races, events, at the end of the day, it all just adds up to a championship, and if you've got someone to promote on the Sunday night as the event winner, then that's all that counts.
3: But the problem is you don't, and you've got a guy who wins the first race on Saturday, gets virtually no coverage for it, he's lucky to make the press conference, and, you know, it's it's really, he's won, he's won a race, he's got 75 points, but it's it's never recorded with the, with the same reverence as even the winner of the second race, even though they're exactly the same points value, because the copy going into the paper, going onto the websites, is going to have one picture, and it's normally the picture of the winner of the second race on Saturday.
2: But at yeah, the end of inevitably. the day, it's... sorry, lost. but I was just going to say, at the end of the day, you look at it, it the Sunday is more weighted more heavily because it is double the distance, so that makes sense, and With the Saturday at the end of the day, if you win a race, whether it's the first or second, you're still winning a race, and um, that's up to the teams to then market it out there because it's only inevitable that if you're going to have two in a day, then the second's going to overshadow the first.
3: Mm. Lewis,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm with Craig on this one. I just think it's kind of a bit undersold the first Saturday race. The champagne is, you know, on ice, so to speak, and. You don't see those kind of guys in the podium in a press conference after. You don't really get a chance to speak to them because they're immediately in a debrief and then they're racing again an hour later. It's kind of, it's sold a bit short. And if you're a driver who perhaps, you know, is usually a back marker and you take a surprise win on the Saturday morning or the first Saturday race, you know, I'm sure you'd like to celebrate it with as much kind of um, enthusiasm as possible
2: and it really doesn't afford that. It's kind of letting down the spectacle a bit.
3: Mm. Well,
2: but Then it moves to the point of do we have just a one race per day format and you know maybe that's the go you just have you know a shorter race on the Saturday and the longer race on the Sunday and two races per weekend because you know if you're going to have this sprint format you'll sort of stuck to having two
3: races per day. Maybe we could just split the race in half and not give the winner out to the end. Oh, wait, we've tried that already. A break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
3: Still a bit in shock. Uh... <laughs> thanks, thanks everyone.
1: Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have
0: found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside
1: Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening
3: to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Yes, I was being facetious. The halftime break didn't work. First ever pay t- all pay TV live event, exclusively pay TV live event. What's your feedback, Lewis Isaacs? What have the people riding into auto action been saying to you?
0: Well, it's been a mixed bag. you still have the... Uh the small you know, people who are unhappy—it's it's on Fox and they don't enjoy the uh, the highlights package. And then you get the people that do have Fox and they're just they're complaining now that they've got nothing else to do for the weekend because they're stuck inside watching motorsport all weekend long. So it's it's kind of um, the polar opposite there. But it was interesting getting the uh, actual ratings numbers through OZTAM today and or yesterday rather. And you know, it wasn't—I guess it's one of those unique weekends where the uh, Cricket World Cup had a massive effect on actual overall, bru- uh, um, what are they called, rating figures, but, you know, these ones on Fox didn't seem to rate very high, and even the highlights packages were up there, I think. On, it might have been Saturday or Sunday. The highest rating, of the eight program, was ninth overall out of, you know, the 250 that were rated. So they're not exactly hugely encouraging numbers just yet.
3: I thought, I, I must say, uh, Adrian, we spoke about it off air, Saturday's numbers were were very very close. Uh, what was it? Down point nine of a percent. Sunday's numbers were decimated, and there was that was always going to be the case. Um, but they picked up forty five thousand viewers on Friday. So, um, it, look at the end, the numbers were decimated. The cricket halved their their viewing audience. But up until up until Saturday night, I I had the feeling that yep, this was the move, and it was going to work.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, what you're getting is a lot more coverage, um, a lot more sort of engaged eyeballs, if you like, but to a smaller market. So it's hard to make sense of the numbers. Um, as you said, Saturday's figures tended to match last year's, and um, that was encouraging. But as Will said, you know, it wasn't a big rating event. But at the end of the day, this isn't one of the marquee events. This isn't one of the ones where you're going to sort of book it in in your calendar and and sit down and and sort of take a weekend off from or anything else you're doing. Yeah. It's a bit hard to gauge. I think it's going to take time. We need to see a pattern over the course of the season, see how those bigger events rate. You know, you look at... Uh, and and Darwin and those types of events, how do they compare on the free-to-air and Foxtel? And, yeah, I think there's a way to go. Um, I, I think the fan base as well needs to start accepting that this is the reality. This is the reality for most sports. I I can't think of another sporting code which is all on Um, free-to-air. It's it's a difficult one and I think we need to wait and see.
3: Mm. Of course uh, the big thing with this package is all the races are being shown to Freed on to Air, Saturday night, I think it was 8 o'clock, on Channel 10. And the package, they did a pretty good job. Uh, I watched the replay of that. I thought they did a pretty good job capturing the day of the two short races. Uh, I must admit, I didn't watch the Sunday package that was done by uh, Supercar TV, Um, but I did see the Fox Sunday package. And, you know, certainly it's it's a, a step up in a lot of areas, Lewis.
0: Oh, yeah, and that was always going to be the case. I managed to catch part of uh, Friday's through Fox, and I just thought it was brilliant. You know, no ads, good support coverage. The um, the team working on it is great, and, you know, even the little um, bits they do in the studio are quite informative, and, you know, kudos to them for, for taking the, the sport to that next level. I guess my concern, we'll just call it that, is that, you know, you look at all the numbers and ratings and cumulative figures and average, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and we're not exactly comparing apples to apples from this year to the last because we do have these repeat programs they're on at different times you know live is on you know Fox which generally has a smaller audience and and then you've got these two or two or three midweek programs and RPM so it's an interesting time and I'm sure there are people you know at Repicom and, and the like that figure out the values of all these kind of things but yeah that's, that's just my concern that perhaps we're not comparing apples to apples here
3: mm. but well the numbers for supercars put out on Monday it wasn't it wasn't any of the other uh, filler. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's what we're talking about now, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, I just, you know, I, I agree that the Talk coverage is great, but, you know, there's a lot of models that work for this. We're not necessarily a manufacturer-backed sport. You know, most teams get their money from sponsorship, and that's probably, you know, the biggest value for that would be eyeballs on the TV. And I don't know if this model necessarily works for that in particular. I've
3: had to cover it better. Uh, I need to go to a break, but I'll, I'll put this one in. I had an interesting conversation with a couple of commercial managers, and yes, they're saying it's about eyeballs, but it's about eyeballs engagement and also affluence. So if they can get a smaller number of more affluent people watching their supercars, who are more likely to buy the products. That actually works out to a better uh, a better outcome than a large number of people across a, a larger demographic who may or may not have the disposable income. So, very if you're talking about uh, what's going to be best commercially for the teams, uh, they're certainly aware of the niche, um, the niche value, and the and the importance of having certain demographics. Uh, working in in the best or most affluent areas of the marketplace. Uh,
2: but at the end of the day, I think what we've got to remember is the the free-to-air interest just wasn't there. And if the supercars had maintained a we only are going to be on free-to-air, then the TV revenue would have plunged even more. So this was really the sport's only option to be viable and to get the sort of revenue that the team needed to survive. So... I think the series has copped a bit of a bad rap and an unfair rap from the fans because that's the reality of the um, television model in Australia at the moment. And you look at the AFL, NRL, A-League, they all get big chunks of revenue from Fox Sports. So Mm. really, there was no other choice.
3: And I know I I jumped on the bandwagon of uh, of this broadcast package early and I'm feeling happy that I did because those numbers I'm seeing... Vindicating that I think by the end of the season They're going to be better than they were last year But I don't like this five week break We can talk about that and a whole bunch more When we continue on Inside Supercars
1: Join in the conversation Post your thoughts on our Facebook page And to ask a question Email insiders at sportradio.com.au Each week join the Inside Motorsport team As they look at all the news from across Australia And around the world
0: yeah, I mean it, it. means a lot, you know. Through the years, a lot of reference. This race is one of our majors. Six hundred miles around
3: here is no easy task.
2: Uh, we we're able to beat the two level two boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do. Um, take the win off him. So yeah, it was a great weekend to be uh represent family.
1: Inside motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel joined by Lewis Isaacs and Adrian Mussolino. I know you've both got publications out now, so Adrian, gratuitous plug to you first.
2: Um. Well, uh, the uh, current issue with Scott McRochman on the cover is available for another week, and it's got the uh, free calendar fridge magnet for the season, so go out
3: and grab that and then there'll be a new issue out just after Easter. Alright, now uh, your turn and uh, I believe someone on your staff had a dig at a television show.
0: Yes, uh, in the current issue of Auto Action with the Gen 2 superstars, Chas Mostert, Scott McLaughlin, Nick Perkett and Scott Pye on the cover. Our own editor at large, Mark Fogarty and uh, sometime Inside Supercars contributor has um, basically torn the uh, two variety programs to shreds. He's not a, not a huge fan of RPM and not a huge fan of Inside Supercars as a whole.
3: He's not averse to everything about Inside Supercars or the radio show, anyway.
0: Oh, not the radio show, no. The radio show is uh, one of the best. It should have won multiple Walkleys, but um, <laughs> the the TV show, I believe, he's referring to there. And you know, it's it's interesting TV. There's a lot that's good, but there's a lot that's absolutely terrible. And I kind of have to agree with him there. But we've also got a lot on auto action. We've got a new vintage collector's edition coming out next Monday, I believe touring car racing in the 70s, so that should be a, a bit of a hoot for a few of the uh, fans of the, um, the older motorsport there.
3: Mm. And whilst we're doing gratuitous plugs, I do want to get a plug out because uh, I know you're both uh, keen to see this weekend the Bathurst 12-hour for Richard Crowley will be up there covering that event. Uh, of course, the, the news that we'll see, the Johnson Sierra going back around the mountain, Adrian, and... Uh, uh, An interesting weekend, this Bathurst Easter Festival of Motorsport.
2: Yeah, well, you know, back in the day, there was actually no championship round, Um, so um, I've actually um, started the debate amongst the V8X contributors whether we should be going to Bathurst as a sprint round um, around this time of year, like we did in '95 '96. So, um, yeah, that's one that we're going to look at in the magazine at some point, and. Um, Yeah, it's a great weekend. Any time that Bathurst heritage is celebrated is is important to the sport, and um, those events are really important to keep that past alive.
3: Easter weekend at Bathurst, of course, used to be a motorcycle weekend, Lewis, but now it's firmly entrenched in four wheel racing action and pitched very, very specifically at um, club and state level participants.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's a great thing. They've absolutely got the right to use that track. It's, you know, without doubt the best in the country, and it's it's fantastic that they've got the opportunity. I think the production rate is there are pretty fascinating. They always get some huge fields. It's a massive shame that Formula 3 is not there, because, you know, just from the, a numbers point of view, their lap times are always impressive and worth watching, and the spectacle of those cars going across the top of the mountain is um, is like nothing else we've got. But yeah, a great weekend up there, and and more basses the better, really. Mm.
3: Now, uh, one thing about club level motorsport and state level motorsport, there's always that guy who's you know got personality to spare. We have Tonatons in the last few years over in V8 supercar garages, but Will Davison certainly showed some emotion, and uh, James Courtney he was happy to laugh it off and give us his thoughts as well. Do we need a vaudeville villain? Do we need some WWE, Adrian?
2: We need it if it's genuine. Um, my concern is when it's manufactured and it's fake and it's um, the series pushing drivers to be a certain way. We need it when it is genuine um, and real and that's what we saw in the weekend with Will, obviously. It was a weekend where Erebus was quick. Um, there might not be too many of those weekends where there's cars suits to track as well as it did in Tassie and he couldn't take advantage of it because of that first half incident. So there was genuine frustration coming out. And, you know, it was good to see him react the way he did, rightly or wrongly, um, because it's important that drivers have an opinion and aren't afraid to show that emotion. But as I said, I just, I don't want to see us at a point where it's, fake attempt to create controversy, because we've seen that a bit in the past, but it never works, and people can see through it, and the sport is embarrassed at the end of the day when it happens.
3: What is it about uh, Tassie Lewis? We had, what, it was probably three years ago now when Rick Kelly and uh, Stephen Richards had a bit of a dust-up on Pit Lane, and after, I think it was a qualifying session, uh, it does lend itself to uh, people's tempers getting flared and emotions raw
0: you've only got two spots to really pass, I guess you've got to, uh, you know, time your moment to perfection. If it doesn't go right, well, you know, I can imagine that's reasonably frustrating for these guys, and we saw with Will, that, you know, as far as he was concerned, in his, the rear of his mirror, he was, um, you know, taken out by Courtney. The stewards didn't quite see it that way, but, yeah, I'm with Adrian, it was great that he reacted and that it was caught on camera. It's another dimension to the sport that we kind of need because sometimes these characters, by virtue of, you know, the commercial side of the sport can be a bit one-dimensional, and we've got to remember, you know, compared to other sports in Australia, like uh, we'll use the old kicking bag um, rugby league, you know, it's not like if these characters are out there, you know, getting up to any major mischief on the weekend. They're all pretty well behaved. They're you know reasonable humans outside of uh, the racetrack, and you know, more of this, more emotion and and more personality.
3: Well, finally, ahead of a final thought, why do V eight supercars continue to put second place on the left of the winner? The, Second place should always be on the right of the winner and in fact I took a good look I didn't take the uh, you know the measuring stick out to the podium but I took a good look at the podium the third place podium stand is higher than the second place podium stand Lewis how are you going to fix this
0: Oh I guess Michael Caruso can start getting a few more podiums and we can you know adjust the height accordingly perhaps but I I have no idea why they've done this. You know, maybe it's because we're on the other side of the world or maybe driving the right-hand side or the left-hand side of the road. I don't know. It's just a a strange situation they've kind of um, put together for themselves there.
3: Mm. Adrian, you're a worldly man. it would never happen in the world game.
2: I'm just impressed you've worked that out and noticed it because until you had pointed it out, I didn't even realise So. I'm pretty impressed. and um, Does that apply to the press conferences as well?
3: Yep. They, when the guys walk in, they look at me and go, I'm second. I said, well, you sit on, as we're looking at him from the from the punter side, from the TV camera side, I said, you sit over there on the left. He said, but I was standing on the other side. I said, I know, I can't explain it, but that's where you should be if you're second place, on the right-hand side of the victor.
2: I think you need to give James Walbert a call and sort
3: it out. A final thought after the break. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they
1: look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And,
2: you know, every, every year I
1: see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself... Of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
2: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Scott Pipe and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Uh, final thought, Lewis Isaacs.
0: Uh, look, I was pleased, Craig Lowndes winning races again. I think that's fantastic for the sport and fantastic for the championship battle as well because we do need someone to challenge Jamie but you know, he, he won the Sunday race when it mattered and when the big points were on offer and as he said, even on a bad weekend he's pretty happy to win and that seems to be the uh, the key to his success lately because he might have a tough weekend but if he's still grabbing a bag of points compared to his rifles, well,
2: that's going to add up come December.
3: Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, Adrian Mussolino, a final thought?
2: Well, I'm just Thinking that there's no racing for five weeks now, and it's going to be pretty hard to try and fill magazines and websites without much content. Um, you know, I just feel like it's time that the series looked to a summer move to get a condensed calendar of you know sixteen or so events, sixteen or so events every fortnight. Because this sort of trying to elongate it to get it out of the AFL season and running over winter just doesn't seem to work. And Now more than ever with the new TV deal, when you have so much content to fill, you need to really maximise your time in the spotlight and the series is just going to disappear now for five weeks and it's very costly for everyone involved. Mm.
3: Well... My final thought is don't worry, Inside Supercars will be returning over the break. A little bit different format over the next few weeks. We're going to do interviews with uh, drivers and engineers and the like ahead of our next round table, which will be the week before Perth. I know, Lewis, you enjoyed it last time we uh, did something like this on the show, so I hope you'll tune in over the next few weeks whilst we do it again. Can't wait. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside
1: Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.